I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Odds and End Zones, a podcast feature of MileHighReport.com. From props to parlays to totals and spreads, it's time to sweat it out. Here are your hosts, Ian St. Clair and Adam Malnati. Adam, we're finally back from an elaborate and lengthy delay of no podcast. Yeah, and it's hiatus. perfect time because... Yeah, a little little of a hiatus, work-related, kid-related, life-related. But we actually have something to talk about with the draft. Yeah, the Broncos drafted some players in the uh, 2023 NFL draft. Which, look, here's here's what I will say about that, just to kind of give you where my mind frame was at during the draft. I didn't care at all. And I, I do think part of the reason I didn't, like my, my son Dad, we got to watch the draft. I was like, I, for what? I mean, he wanted to see round one. I didn't care about round one. He wanted to see round two. I didn't care about round two. And then they traded up. And, of course, they went and, and grabbed somebody in round two. I, without having any picks, it was kind of like I felt like, and I, maybe there are some people out there who will understand this, I felt like a kid who was being raised as a Jehovah's Witness but wanted to celebrate Christmas, and I wasn't allowed to. Does that make sense? It's like, an interesting analogy. Like I really wanted it to celebrate, sense. but I didn't get to. But I mean, I, they did draft I don't know players. How, I, how do you? They I did. And how does he? How Ian sitting there going? How do I respond to that? <laughs> well, how do I top it? Like you, I, just, I, I don't know. It just popped into Jehovah's Witness com- celebrating Christmas. Yeah, I, I will say we have a tendency, especially today. 
in the instant gratification world that we live in to grade things. We're not going to do that. We don't believe in it. We no. believe in the eye test. Like we don't buy into stats at all. Like, well, they're I'm, fine. There's a, to there's some value your eye to test. it. Yeah. It's, but we, we are both eye test people. Like if you can play football and it doesn't matter the stats, like I legitimately, if you can play, you can play. Like I don't need stats to support it, but we're not going to grade the draft, but we have picks that we like. And I really, really like the pick of Marvin Mims from Oklahoma, who was the guy the Broncos traded up to in the second round to get from Oklahoma. I think he's going to be the deep threat potential that everybody thought KJ Hamler could be, but he can't stay on the field. As you always say, the best ability is availability. KJ Hamler cannot stay available. So I think Marvin Mims is going to step into that role. I think the immediate impact that he's going to make, however, is probably more consequential to the team overall as the punt returner because the Broncos special teams are going to be better. I don't have any idea how the season is going to play out, but with two guys now coaching the special teams, you would think that's finally going to get the special teams over the hump. Double the coaches, double the production. Is that the idea? (laughs) Yes. I, uh, and it ties into the, the signing that the Broncos made in Tremont Smith, who has been with the Texans, who will probably be the kickoff returner. He's had he's returned 40 kicks for the for the Texans while just five punts. So Mims will more than likely be the punt returner, and Smith will be the kickoff returner. As it, you know, and I and I, I think that also sort of leads into a question that maybe isn't for today's show, but of, of a future show of where the football world is heading because the kick return is I, I honestly believe on its way out. I think that the NFL is headed towards for safety's sake, a flip of the coin, start the game with whoever wins the coin toss. They get to choose if they want to be on offense or defense and you start the ball on the 25 and you just go. I, I really do believe that's where it's headed. Now, that doesn't change the punt return game, but it does change how you focus on your special teams. You don't need to worry about a kick returner as much. I don't know when that will happen, but I do believe that is the direction things are headed. It hasn't happened yet, so I'm not going to worry about it. But it is I, it, it is something that could be interesting moving forward, uh, maybe just not today. Uh, as far as the only draft pick that I really went, ooh, I, I should probably pay attention to this. And it's because you mentioned it today, <laughs> not because I've, again, I, I, I just couldn't get into it because we didn't have any top picks. And I've sort of been living this whatever Sean Payton wants to do lifestyle, which is very freeing. I don't have to pay attention as much. I don't have to care so much as say, hey, whatever he wants to do is fine. But the, you know how I feel about linebackers. And my desire to draft a guy who can be the next Al Wilson. I I don't think that Drew Sanders is that guy, but the Broncos did draft Drew Sanders out of Arkansas or Arkansas or Pirate Kansas, if you will. And okay, this guy that transferred from Alabama, showed up in Arkansas, had a a sort of a breakout season with the Razorbacks, uh, which 
maybe lends himself to a, a sort of a breakout year as a rookie with the, the Denver Broncos. Maybe he has time to develop into one of those uh, solid linebackers. Maybe they move him around. I don't know. I don't think his size really tells you he's going to be a massive run stuffer. So I'm not sure what his role will be. But I do feel obligated as the guy who just has been begging for Al Wilson's replacement since Al Wilson left. I have to mention Drew Sanders, the linebacker that they drafted. And so I mentioned him. And I'll throw out one more, Alex Forsyth, the offensive lineman center, the lone offensive lineman the Broncos drafted. He was the 257th pick in the seventh round. So there obviously isn't a lot of expectation, but clearly Sean Payton and George Payton liked him. And he's versatile. He played tackle. He played guard. He played center. So he has that adaptability and he played for different coaches. So he has the experience and he's, he called himself a cerebral player who sees himself as someone with good leadership qualities. So I, I, I don't know if he'll take over the starting job from Lloyd Cushenberry, but I, I think he'll have the opportunity to, to potentially become the starting center. But as a seventh round pick, I don't think there's going to be a lot of expectations on him to do so. I, and I, I like that we have approached this from what I believe to be a very logical standpoint. When you're drafting players, and, and I said this in uh, Horse Tracks, was it last week or whatever, when I covered Horse Tracks for you while you were gone, uh, you, you really can't judge a draft, and so we don't. There's no logic to judging what these guys are. Now, I do like the way people like Trevor Sycamore, a friend of the show who's been on a few times. We didn't get to have him on this year. We just didn't have the, uh, the time for it. But uh, they're a way of evaluating a draft isn't necessarily we believe this player is going to be the greatest player of all time. It's more looking at what a team needed, what they, what they were able to accomplish. Did they sort of fill in the spots that needed to be filled in or, or get players that looked like they had more value? And it's not necessarily a, an evaluation on this player is going to be the greatest player of all time or not. It's more did this team do a good job in the draft? And I do think you can evaluate that. And by all metrics, the things that I've seen, you know, sort of on on Twitter and and in some of the other, you know, websites that follow and and do all of the drafting stuff, the Broncos seem to get good value for their draft picks. And I I think Drew Sanders is one of those players that a lot of guys had as a, a top 30 to 40 pick. Broncos got him at like 67. So that's not bad. That's a that's a good value pick right there. If that's what you're evaluating to me. Looks like the Peyton and Peyton draft was at least in the correct direction of what they were trying to accomplish. How those players will, uh, you know, find their way on the field is something that we will discover as they play. There, and everybody knows this. Guys get drafted super high. There's a belief they're going to be amazing. They they peter out, whether it be they just weren't ready for the NFL or availability, as you said, with injuries, or they do something stupid uh, like, a, you know, like some guys are, are want to do. And then other guys surprise you. A la, I hate to say this, Tom Brady, a six-round draft pick who became uh, the most accomplished quarterback in the history of the NFL. Notice what I said there. And so... <laughs> Just, or we could go with a more local tie-in, Terrell Davis. Thank you. I think that's 
that's a better way to go. And I'm just kind of making the point here. And then you have your undrafted free agents like your Chris Harris's of the world who or Rod Smith or Rod Smith who should be in the Hall of Fame. They're going to they're going to fix that someday, probably not. It's probably just not. You know, it's it's one of those things where I don't believe I have the ability and I don't believe anybody has the ability to look at drafted players the day after they were drafted and make a judgment on that. Did the team do a good job finding the right fit for them? That's what you can judge. And I think the Broncos did that with this draft. If they do, if they're in Colorado, they should head up to Blackhawk or Central City or get on a plane and head to Vegas. Yeah. Because if you have the ability to do that, you need to monetize it and take advantage of it. And, and take me with you, quite frankly. I'll, I'll, I'll follow your bets. I have no problem doing that. I, I, I'm more than happy to follow someone else's bets. That way I can blame them for the mistakes that I've made. Although I will say, I have not, uh, I have not placed a bet since I put my money on the abs to win it all a few months ago. And they won't we won't go there. We can talk about the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche now and not feel like we're going to jinx them because here we are. So, and if you don't know, that's okay. You don't need to know. But if everybody who's listening, I have a feeling knows. How disappointing. How disappointing. I digress. It was tough. It, it, it was tough. Yeah. But they but they did overcome a lot of adversity to even get to the point that they were in the playoffs. I mean, to not have your captain, Gabriel Landeskog, the entire year. I was trying to think of a comparison. And I won't, we won't go too far into the abs, but I'm trying to imagine the teams in the late nine, in the mid nineties, late nineties, early two thousands playing without Joe Sackick for a full year. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been a successful season. So I think, I think that's a, that's actually a really apt comparison that uh, I like that. And uh, I think on that note, we can, we can change gears a little bit here. Uh, I wanted to do something that we didn't talk about. Yeah. And that you, you mentioned the guys getting onto the field. One thing that I'm very, that that's been very interesting to me is prior to the draft, Sean Payton said that they're not even getting on the field. They're not even having meetings. All they're doing is lifting weights and working out. They're just doing conditioning. And we haven't had the chance to talk about it because of life. But I think that's I think that's awesome. And one of the, the quotes that stands out from Sean Payton is he doesn't want guys to feel like they're showing up at the facility for football practice in April. And obviously we're now in May. I, I just I think that's I think that's a great approach. Like he he wants them to focus on their bodies, on getting into shape, on doing what they need to do before they get onto the field. I think there's a, a, a year long sort of outlook from that particular standpoint that recognizes that there is a difference between training and practicing. And you shouldn't be training and practicing at the same time, at least not to the extent that I that I believe we were seeing with the Broncos. It, it was too much of a mix prior to the arrival of Sean Payton. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily um, that that what is going on now is is necessarily the perfect setup, but it does feel like there's as an athlete there's a time to take care of your body and heal, a time to rebuild. And then a time to implement. And currently, I, the healing process of having been in a season and, and a grueling one that wasn't super successful, that there were a lot of struggles, it it took some time to heal. It took some time to get over some things and, and let the body sort of get into a place where it was ready to really get after the training aspect of getting yourself 
stronger, faster, more agile, limber, all of those things that take time as well. But you can't be doing those two things at the same time. You can't heal and train at the same time. You can do things, exercises that help you heal. I'll give you an example. I got a 10-year-old who plays travel baseball. And I'm not, I'm not one of those travel dads that gets too crazy about it. But I do worry about his arm strength. And I worry about his his healing in his shoulder. He's a pitcher. And so he does things with these. I'm sure there's some dads out there and moms out there that are listening. that, that These things called J-bands. And there's movements that he does. And it's not about strengthening. It's about recovery. It's about, yes, there is some, some strength that's added to the arm, but it's more about recovery. And that's something you do during the season when you're practicing that kind of thing versus season's over. We shut him down. He doesn't throw for a few months and we do, you know, stretching and we, and there's, you're always doing certain things, but it's about recovery. And it's a really interesting point that you make. I want my players thinking about getting stronger, faster, more agile, more limber, not necessarily practicing football right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that sort of plays out. And if it has a positive impact, the Broncos have suffered through a lot of injuries in the last few years. Will that change with the, uh, with this, what I think is sort of a new philosophy? I, and you mentioned the injury rate the last five years. I think that is a concerted effort by Sean Payton and the new training and conditioning staff, keeping that in mind, getting their bodies in the mode to practice. You like the old adage, you have to walk before you crawl. Well, you have to be in shape before you practice. You want to have your body in a position to be successful once you step onto the field. And I think that's, I think that's why it's the, the change in, in philosophy, and it is a concerted effort. I, I love it. I think it. I think it's great. I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's one of those sort of idiosyncratic things about sports, not just football, but all sports that they all have their little, um, you know, sort of details that you have to think about. And as a as a normal fan, like you know, my my job as a fan is to watch the games and cheer for my team. I like that we can understand that for the players, it's more than just show up and go, right? And and fans are more sophisticated now than they were when we were kids growing up. When we were kids growing up, we would what we'd go to go to Greeley, you know, we lived in Greeley. We'd go to go to you know training camp, and they'd be slamming into each other and pads all day, two a days, not really taking care of themselves. It was a different time, a different philosophy. The advancement in understanding how that works by the league has filtered into how fans look at it as well. So I don't I don't know, like I know that there are probably some people think, oh, football is, you know, used to be for real men or whatever. You kind of get that old school look at things. There's more science to it now. It's a more educated look at how the body reacts to things. And to me, that makes it a better product on the field. And it should translate to healthier players, more success, hopefully more wins. Obviously we won't, you know, really know what's happening with this team until they do start practicing and we do see implementation of new offensive scheme, new defense, all of those things that will come out in the coming months. It's interesting that you mentioned Greeley because we just marked a anniversary that makes me feel old. I'm sure it makes you feel old. No. Not even 40 years ago. Yeah, feel old. When the Broncos traded 
for John Elway. And the name of the player that the Indianapolis Colts got for that trade was? Well, I don't remember. Oh, I do. He actually had a solid career. Chris Hinton. That's right. Chris Hinton is the uh, is the trivia question answer for which player was traded for John Elway by the Denver Broncos. And quite frankly, Chris Hinton was, as, as I recall, the Broncos had the fourth pick in that fourth draft. Pick. So he was the fourth pick in that 1983 NFL draft. That's, that's not bad. Not bad. And he had a solid career in the NFL with the Colts. You can't, you know, you can't take that away from him, but he certainly wasn't John Elway. And and 40 years of Elway is a, is an interesting way of looking at the history of the team. When he arrived in Denver, the whole world changed for Broncos country. It was it was the perfect storm, if you will. And it was it was by luck. If you haven't seen the 30 for 30 ESPN documentary about uh, Elway to Marino, check it out. Go watch it. Find it. It is a phenomenal look at how that draft went down. And then just look at how his career progressed and the things that he was able to do in Denver with lesser teams. And I, th- I think the knock on him living out of market the knock on Elway has always been and will always be, well, he he didn't get it done until he had a team around him. What what quarterback in the NFL has gotten anything done without a team around them? And I, I ask that in an, in an earnest way because I personally believe that he took some of the worst teams in, in Super Bowl history as far as teams that made it to the Super Bowl to the Super Bowl on his back. And that's not a knock on some of my favorite players. I'm, you know, I'm a huge Steve Atwater fan and, uh, you know, I love the three amigos and uh, you know, how do you not think that Carl Mecklenburg deserves to be in the hall of fame and Simon Fletcher is so underrated. It's insane, but still those teams, Tom, sorry, Tom Jackson, I forgot to mention you, but you weren't, weren't around for much longer than 86. So, you know, but well, you're tired after that. Exactly. He was around, he was just doing ESPN stuff. So <laughs> it's different. So you, you look at that and you really look at Elway as a player what he did early on, what he did at the end of his career, and then coming back as the GM and building the team that eventually won a Super Bowl in 2015. For all of his issues after that, everything up to that point, how do you not just look at it and just one of the greatest football lives in the history of football? And you mentioned the perfect storm because in March of that next year is when Pat Bowlen bought the Denver Broncos. So you not only get the franchise altering quarterback, you get what would be one of, if not the best owner in the history of professional football. So that's where the perfect storm comes from. And this is the comparison that we both throw out all the time. You mentioned taking those teams that had no business being in the Super Bowl, taking them to the Super Bowl. Let's flip it and let's put John Elway on the San Francisco 49ers with Bill Walsh. And let's put Joe Montana in Denver with those Broncos teams. Joe Joe Montana does not take those Broncos teams to one Super Bowl, let alone three and four years. John Elway and Bill Walsh don't lose a Super Bowl for 10 years. Maybe a decade of, of of Super Bowl victory sounds about right. I that may be a bit of an exaggeration, but really, 
but he could he could have potentially pulled a red hour back Bill Russell with the Boston Celtics. It, it it would have been interesting to to see that. We would have hated it as Bronco fans. It would have been a very we we maybe wouldn't be Bronco fans. I mean that's the other thing that I think is is fascinating. John Elway's time in Denver as a player solidified the fandom of people like us. I, and I don't want to take anything away from Joe Montana, although uh, if you ask the old man, you'll, he'll tell you I have a tendency to, to say horrible things about Joe Montana, mostly out of, of jealousy than anything else. So I'm going to say something nice here, which will shock people. He is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. and Without, he, without question, especially he, in the playoffs. Absolutely. And he more than likely would have had success in Denver. And knowing what Pat Bolin was as an owner, I believe that there would have been success there because of Pat Bolin and Joe Montana being a, an absolutely incredible quarterback. But we just got done talking about the draft. And we just got done sort of going over how little things can change the outcome for players who you thought were going to be this, that, or the other. And that's one of those things. If you If you were to change that, the destiny of those two players would have been incredibly different. And it also would have been different for all of the other players around the, the butterfly effect of that, right. Would have transformed the NFL. I don't think we would be talking about Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time, right? People wouldn't have that. They'd say, well, but he was no John Elway. And there are people who say that us and some, some of the people who've been in the media for a long time, but it's a little bit more of an argument. I think Elway, far and away ends up with it eight or nine Super Bowls, no no question in his career if he goes to San Francisco. And here we are guffawing over him because, you know, we're 80s, 90s kids who grew up in Colorado. And it's worth mentioning that he is still the owner of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, oh yeah, it, it, to this day. I, I, don't, I don't know that he'll ever sell the Cleveland Browns, probably because they're worthless and so he wouldn't get much out of it. And it's just a nice thing to say, oh, yeah, and out back I have the Cleveland Browns. I, I took ownership of them back in 1987 and 86, 87, never relinquished it. So, uh, yeah, I, I do like that. Uh, it also begs a fun question, and I know we've probably talked about it in the past, and I'm sure the, the site has done it, but it is a fun question to ask. Elway, 40 years of, not drafted by the Broncos, so who is the greatest quarterback ever drafted by the Denver Broncos? And there's some interesting questions you or, or answers to this you could go with. So there, to me, there's two ways you can go with it. You can go with Jay Cutler and Josh McDaniels ended any chance of him being a successful quarterback in Denver because he couldn't deal with the personality that that Jay Cutler was. But you could also go with the historical aspect of it. And not because of the way that he played the position because he was a backup, but what he brought to the organization as an offensive coordinator, and then a head coach. Because if he isn't drafted by the team as a quarterback, he probably isn't going to be an offensive coordinator, probably isn't going to be the head coach, definitely doesn't have the relationship that he had with Mike Shanahan. So that's why I lean Gary Kubiak. I think that that is a really smart way to look at it as far as um, success and outcome. When you look at the amount of success that Gary Kubiak had in the NFL, he had 
an, an incredible NFL career. Yes, he was a backup as a quarterback, but he learned the game under some of the best minds in the history of the NFL and became a, a great coordinator, great head coach, solid head coach. Maybe maybe we use the word great too much, but he definitely was one of the greatest offensive coordinators of all time. Um, it is it is a really interesting way of looking at that. I think just talent-wise, if you just want to go based on talent alone, which is how a lot of people want to look at it, it has to be Jay Cutler. And I, I can hear the, the, the Tebow mania people going crazy in the background. You know how I feel about Tim Tebow. I, I couldn't stand him uh, as a player. I it, I tried to give him a chance. I, I, I know that uh, he was someone who, when he was winning those games in that one incredible season where they went 8-8, eight and eight, and uh, he was incredibly motivating to his players. I always think about that clip of him talking to the late, great Demarius Thomas, telling him, get his head up. I'm going to throw you the football. You're going to catch a game winner. You're, gonna, you're the guy who's going to win the game for us. And then he goes out and he does it in overtime in that playoff game against the Steelers, that gives me chills. That's a moment in Broncos history that I think people hold on to. And that's why that season right there is why you put Tim Tebow on that list. But talent alone, it's Jay Cutler. Impact. Talent alone. Impact. I'm sorry, Tebow fans, because you're going to say, oh, no, it's, it's Tim Tebow. Impact, it's Gary Kubiak. And then... I guess if you want to go a distant, distant third, whatever, Tim Tebow. The disdain in my voice there just. Ugh. <laughs> and you know who it really wasn't? Paxton Lynch. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, he, if we're going to talk about clearly. Elway, we do have to talk about the fact that he drafted Paxton Lynch and Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Could Brock Osweiler and have been better? Could have. No. I, I, and he could have drafted Russell Wilson. No. Could have, but the Broncos ended up with them anyway. Yeah. So. Are we happy about that? Table no, that. Let's table that. The thing Let's that stands that out about all the thing about all this that stands out is the Bears could have had Patrick Mahomes. Oh. I I knew you were gonna go there. I just I could feel it. Like I I I, I could I could feel it. I you know, maybe other people didn't know, but yeah. That's where we were headed. That's where we were headed. If you didn't know, now you know. So uh, the other big news, is it big news? It's the schedule release, but it's, I mean, what's the big news about the schedule release right now? That it's coming. That it's on its way. That Peyton Manning doesn't want to do a trilogy. Is that what but it he is? he will do a trilogy? He'll do a trilogy, but he doesn't want to do a trilogy. A trilogy? Is the trilogy talking about the Peyton, Peyton, and Peyton? Like, are all three Peytons that injury law firm that is the Denver Broncos? Are they going to, is that the trilogy? I think that's how or they should it, do it. The trilogy of Peyton... Or is it the the trilogy of Peyton doing the schedule release? I well that I think. And do we is, get drunk Elway on a scooter again? Ooh, that might be fun. Good for you, bud. Um, <laughs> I I do enjoy saying good for you, bud, when it's appropriate. I feel like it was appropriate there. I if the Denver Broncos social media Case team does Keesum. this right, little Case keeps them going. If they do this right, there will be an incorporation of all three Peytons in the Peyton trilogy of the schedule release. And let's be very with clear the law here. firms of Bacchus and Shanker and the strong arm <laughs> and the strong arm. <laughs> but I, I think that the, the Denver Broncos social media game has been on point with these schedule release videos. I have enjoyed them because they've used Peyton Manning in a very good way. 
And doesn't it just feel good that the sheriff loves the Denver Broncos more than anything else? We all know that in his heart, he sees himself as a Denver Bronco, right? I mean, that we we know that. Yeah, I mean, he retired as a Bronco. His speech was given as a Bronco. He's a Bronco. Like, I get there are fans out there who don't like to be in they don't like joy so they'll say that he's a colt well he retired as a bronco does more with the broncos lives in denver he's a bronco i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.